Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. You know, down in Texas, uh, for a number of years, uh, I worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. I was a prison guard. And I, for a lot of that time, I worked horseback like you saw on TV. We took these fellers out and, you know, they picked cotton and they hoed weeds and they, they picked up rocks. I mean, it was basically the manual labor. And they were the, basically the worst of the worst that could go outside the fence. Now we had, you know, uh, guns all the time. You know, there was a guy with a 30-30 back off kind of on the hill over here, if you will and everything like that, but we worked horseback, and I was the resident bronc rider, and I I don't know how I got that, you know, I guess I was useful in that situation, because there was a time that I kind of, I kind of liked it, Um, but I had this horse named Havelina, and the reason that her, we called her Lena, but the reason her name was Havelina is because she would click. Have you ever heard a, well, y'all may not have Havelina up here, but they'll, they'll snap their jaws like that when they're mad. She would do that. And so we named her Havelina every single time. It never failed. Not one time when you got on her, you got on her, she'd let you get screwed down. When you untracked her, she tried to kill you. Every single time. And I mean, there was no pulling her up. There was no nothing. I mean, it just happened every stinking morning. And I mean, the inmates, half of them wanted to be on the host squad just so they could see the rodeo every single morning. I'd be walking out and there'd be like 400 inmates in this sally port getting ready to go work. They'd be like, good luck today, boss. Good luck today, boss. We're cheering for you, boss. I got a can of soup. I bet on you that you'd get bucked off today. That was just the way it was. I mean, it was... It was an everyday deal. And so one day I go out there. They wouldn't even give me a gun till after she quit bucking. I mean, seriously, you know, they pass out the guns to everybody and somebody else would put my gun in their waistband and they were like, well, when, when Lena gets done bucking, then we'll give Kevin his gun. And, but she was an awesome horse besides that part. And so anyway, this morning I go out there and I'm walking out and I've got a radio on and I hear this come over the radio. Oh, one to Mr. Weatherby. Now, O-1 was the warden. The warden don't talk to you. (laughs) You are beneath him. You know, if there's a message to be sent, it's a sergeant or a lieutenant, maybe a captain, but the warden definitely does not call you on the radio. Well, this morning it was O-1 to Mr. Weatherby. And I mean, like 400 inmates and 14 officers went, what did you do? I'm like, I don't know. Go ahead, warden. You got on your horse yet? No, sir. Don't. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm thinking get fired or thrown in jail or something. And I hear this caprice, like a whatever model that, you know, those caprice cars of four-door, it was gold. I hear it coming around the unit. And it comes around the unit and he pulls up a little ways away and he rolls down his window and he says, okay, you can get on now. And I went, kind of looked at some of the, my sergeant and everything. I was like, what's that all about? They said, the regional director from Austin on the board of the criminal justice board is in the car with him. And the warden wants to show off his resident bronc rider. 
oh man, my old stomach got kind of in knots and everything like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the day I'm going to get lawn darted. Just it would have been better if that would have happened. So I go over there and, you know, man, I am praying and talking real sweet to Lena. Man, just, you know, just give me one little good one and just buck underneath me. And if I start getting off, man, you just kind of slow down a little bit, okay? And so she's just looking at me like, get on, let's go. So I get on and I kind of get screwed down tight and everything. And this guy named Poncho, who was an officer with me, he rides up beside me. He's an old cowboy. And this guy we call Big Ed, he comes riding up beside me. And they said, look, man, you give that regional director a show, but we're going to be here. And if you start coming off this way, we're going to push you back on. And if you come off this way, we're going to push you back on and everything like that. It sounded like a good idea. That's if, it, if you're a cowboy and it sounds like a good idea, don't do it. It never works. It's a ploy of the devil. So I was like, all right. And they said, if you start getting in trouble, you know, we'll make sure she gets her head up and that you can get her pulled up. But we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to give you a hand. I was like, all right. I could use a hand. I had these cool Oakley sunglasses. I put those Oakley sunglasses on. I screwed my lid down a little tighter like that. I looked over in that car at the regional director and went, ma'am, and went, and lightning exploded. She went up in the air. Have y'all ever seen those Olympic divers where they do the twists and everything like that? That's what she did that day. The only thing that made me stay on was centrifugal force. It was like, you know, I, I couldn't fall off because she was spinning and bucking so hard. And <laughs> y'all cowboys, you'll know what I'm talking about. That first jump, I got noodle neck. You know what noodle neck is? Whenever that horse bucks, and you need to keep your chin down like this so you can see what's going on. But once they get that noodle neck going, you're done for because it's like, oh, oh, you can't see anything. Your Adam's apple's like trying to look an alien through your throat. There was this high pitch, ah, ah, and I'm, I've got my night latch and I'm holding on. Well, Big Ed and Poncho, they see that I'm in a wreck right away, man. This ain't no joke, man. So they start helping. Well, I'm not coming off. I'm sitting right in the saddle, but it's just a matter of time. You know, it's kind of like that fuse. And so they're like, we got we to gotta stop her. So they take their reins and they start trying to hit her in the head to get her head up. About the ninth noodle neck, I went, stop! Because <laughs> they wasn't hitting her at all. I was getting waylaid. The, the poor lady in the, in the car with the warden was like, why are those officers beating the other officer? <laughs> they're trying to help, ma'am. Well, they're not doing a very good job. I was getting the crap beat out of me. I was, I was seriously like, y'all stop! Y'all stop! And finally, I guess Lena, she just, you know, she'd buck for, I don't know, five, six, sometimes ten seconds. And it didn't matter how bad you pulled, you could gig her, you could do whatever you wanted to. She was just going to do it that morning, and then she just stopped. I had asthma. I had whiplash. And I looked like I had been beat with a cat of nine tails. And Poncho and, and Ed were right there, and they were like, boy, you'd have been in trouble if we wasn't here. 
I said, guys, you don't know how much I appreciate y'all's presence. But the next time you want to give me a hand, could you just do it from way over there? <laughs> and they, why? I said, y'all never hit her, you hit me. They're like, well, at least we hit something. <laughs> Cowboys never feel sorry for you. They, they really don't. They're like, you're still breathing, aren't you? You sure had a bad case, a chicken noodle neck going on. I was like, yeah. But you know, it, it seems really cool whenever we want somebody to give us a hand. And, and we, that's what Jabez asked God. He didn't ask two cowboys because he knew where what he needed came from. And he asked God in verse 10, it says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me. In other words, I want you to give me a hand in everything that I do. And see, God wants to do that with you also. That's what a bold prayer is like. We can do nothing apart from him that is worthwhile with anything. But wouldn't it be nice if instead of two cowboys, I mean, now, now granted, we, we all need a hand every now and then. But whose hand we actually need is God's. God wants to guide, provide, and protect, you know. And God wants to guide you on your journey. Okay. Now I'm reading a book that uh, Kathy gave me. It's called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. And it's a, it, it's turning out to be a fantastic book and I'm really enjoying it. But he says in hearing God, I mean, if God's going to guide you, you have to be able to listen to him, right? Well, there's a lot of ways that, that we go about trying to find out how many times have we all said this, man, I just want to follow God's will for my life. Well, you know, I and mean, then there's nothing wrong with that, but how do you do it? And unfortunately, we make a mistake a lot of time. It's not an intentional mistake. It's not one of those deal breaker mistakes or anything like that. But there's three mistakes that we generally make. The first one is the, what I like to call the obedient robot. See, we, we walk around and we say, oh God, just, I, I just want to obey your will and I want to obey you and everything that we do. And I want to, you know, just, just follow the commands that you've told us and to obey all of this stuff and everything like that. Well, you know, l let me ask you a question. A lot of you are parents in here. If you were to write down one through 10 of the reasons that you love your child, how far down the list will obedience be as the reason that you love your child? For some of you, I don't even think it would be in the top 10. It wouldn't be in mine. I don't love my kids because they obey me. I don't. Because, you know, if Griffin walked into to the house and he's like, Hello, Father, what will thy will be today for me? I'd be like, you been smoking some dope, boy? What is the matter with you? Yeah, but I mean, if he walked in and said, Dad, you know, what do you want me to do? Well, have you got your homework done? No, sir, I'll go do that. All right. So he goes and he does his homework. And then he comes back and he says, Dad, what do you want me to do now? Well, I might have him build a fence or something. I don't know. No, I mean, at some point, you're just going to be like, what do you want to do? Because, see, I, I don't really care what my kids grow up to do. I care who my kids grow up to be. Now, there is a place for obedience. There absolutely is a place for obedience because I have taught my kids that it is not safe 
to put a blindfold on and run out in the street. You would be surprised that you need to teach your kids that, but you do. My kids are country kids. They've never been. You know, you just run wild wherever you want to. But whenever you get in town, you can't do that. There's people coming. But, you know, we want our kids to obey, not so that we will love them, so that they will be protected, so that they will be who we call them to be, so that they can learn how to do things the right way. Not just because they obey. God does not necessarily want some obedient robot. God, I just want to obey your will, obey your will in everything I do, God. God, may you, may I obey your will. That's not living. That's not living. What would you want for your kids? Why do you love your kids? Well, the Bible says that if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, in other words, if we know how to love our children, how much more does God love you? And if you wouldn't want that for your children, why do you think that God would want that for you? Do you really think that God is just some taskmaster that just, I mean, all he really cares about is obeying his will, obeying his will, obeying his will. Do what I told you to do. You know what? That's not true. Why? Because Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? And he'll say, I get away from me for I knew you not. Just because you do something that the Bible says to do doesn't mean that you have a relationship with the one who asked you to do it. The relationship is far more important when the relationship comes, then I promise you the obedience will come. You will want to do things. As a matter of fact, you will start doing things that you didn't even realize that you were doing. You'll start forgiving people. You'll start uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt. You'll start doing all sorts of things that Jesus commanded us to do, but they will be fruit that we are bearing. In other words, we won't necessarily have to try real hard. It will start becoming natural to do those things of not getting offended and not thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. But all of those things are things that we should do. But those tasks are actually a result of the way we will act when the relationship with our Lord is correct. A second mistake that we often make is, is and, and I call this the Bible dart, okay? When we're trying to hear from God, God wants to give us a hand. Well, he wants to guide us in everything that we, or he wants to guide our lives. In other words, we are supposed to follow Jesus. That's what he said. He said, come and follow me. Well, if we're gonna follow him, we must see him and we must hear him and we must be able to follow him. Well, another mistake that we make in trying to hear God is we pull the Bible deal, uh, the, the Bible dart, and we've all probably done it at some point. You're just like, God, I just don't know what you want me to do in this instance. And, and God, I just, I just pray that, that, oh man, if you would just tell me what to do right now, that, that everything will be okay. And, and so what I'm going to do, God, is I'm just going to open my Bible. And the first verse I see, I'm going to say that that's what you want me to do. Guys, it doesn't work like that. I'm not saying that it can't work like that, but it doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. There's no relationship in that. I mean, you know, looking for signs in everything. Now, now, obviously, you know, um, God does give us signs. I'm not saying that that's not a way that he cannot speak to us. But we start looking for signs in every single thing that we do. Well, the problem with that is 
When we want to do something, we start seeing what we want to. Does that make sense? I mean, you think about that, you're like, I'm just going to open up the Bible right here, and, and, and I, I, I don't know if God really wants me to have this living quartered horse trailer or not, but I'm just going to open up the Bible, and I'm going to see what he has to say about it. And so I open up the Bible, and there Jesus says, anything you ask for in my name, it will be given unto you. Yes! I hit the God lottery! It probably didn't hurt that that's highlighted and I've got a bookmark right there. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I'm saying. We got to get to know God so that we know what his will is and then we will start following him naturally. There, there is one more mistake that, that we tend to make and you're, and you're going to have to bear with me for just a second with this because at some point we've all thought this way. How many times have you thought to yourself, well... Everything happens for a reason. Does it? Does everything happen for a reason? It sounds good, doesn't it? Man, you know, if God is in control of our lives and everything happens for a reason. Well, so could I not say that God wanted me to have that living quartered horse trailer if I was able to go and I filled out the application and I was approved for the loan and I got it, then that happened for a reason, right? See, thinking that everything happens for a reason, that it's God's reason, that everything that we do, it gives us a subconscious uh, justification or excuse to go do whatever we want. And that's not true. Now, the Bible does say that God works for the good in all things for those that believe in Christ Jesus. But that does not give us a license to go and sin, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. Just because God works for the good in all things for those that believe in Christ Jesus doesn't mean that he has made you do something. You know, even Jesus, he said... Uh, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. See, er, people think that everything happens for a reason, but in, but in 2 Peter, I think it's 3, 9, Peter says, God is infinitely patient with all of us because it is his will that none shall perish, but everyone should come to repentance, or in other words, should come back to him. It is his will that none shall perish, but everybody will come back to him. Now, do we know that there are going to people that never come to Christ? Absolutely. So are we saying that that's will, that that happened for a reason? No, absolutely not. See, we live in a fallen world. God gave you free will. You can go do whatever you want to do. You, you have that right. You can go do whatever you want to. But just because you go do something doesn't mean that it's lining up in God's will or God led you up to that for a reason. It's not like that. If you want to start following God, if you want him to give you a hand in your life, an active, if you want him to ride right beside you each and every day, we have to start listening to him and not just you know, pulling stuff out of thin air that we think God might have said to us and everything like that. We have to know him. Not just find a Bible verse. Now, the Bible, we should read our Bible, and, but we need to be listening for what God wants to tell us, not for what we want to find. There's a difference. So how do we go about doing all that? I, I've told you three mistakes. You know, you, you, you have the, the, the Bible dart. You can't just open up your Bible every single time you have a question. God does not want you to be some robot. God, what will thy will be today for me? Blah, blah. No, he doesn't want that. He wants you to live. He wants you to mount up on wings like eagles. He wants to, he's got a plan for your life. And that plan is simple as this. When God said, I have a plan for you, I'm fixing to give you exactly what he wants for your life. Every single one of you. 
He wants you to know him and to abide in him. In other words, to ride with him as close as we can. That's God's plan for us because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. How do we follow him? How do we hear his voice? And, and, and Jabez said um, that, that your hand would be with me. How, how do we know that God's hand is with us? And, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things that we can do that would really help us in hearing from God. The, the first one is just sit down. I mean, especially us as Americans, we're like, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. And if you're not doing something, then you're lazy and rah, 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 rah. And we fill up our day from sunrise to sunset with different kind of stuff. And, and, and we have, it doesn't matter if we're working hard and playing harder and all of this stuff. And then we try to give God just a little bit. Oh yeah, by the way, God, thanks you for everything. And we'll see you next week. Bye. And then he goes off again. I heard a story one time that said that lady was praying and she asked that Jesus would talk to her. And so she got up and she walked in and Jesus was sitting at her table. And he said, I'm ready to talk. And she's like, oh, Jesus, I don't have time right now. I have to have to get the kids ready for school. But if you'll wait right there, as soon as I get them off to school, um, I'll come and talk to you. And he says, okay. And so she goes and she gets the kids ready and makes her lunch real quick, makes some peanut butter and, and jelly sandwich and all that. And then she packs it up and then, and then she sends them off on the school bus. And then she remembers that she's got to go pick up something at the store. And so she says, Jesus, you know, if you'll just wait until I get through at the store, I, I got to get it before this time or, or something's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And he says, okay. And so she runs and does that. Well, then she sees a friend and wants to go out to lunch. So she's like, well, Jesus will wait on me and everything. And then she gets home and, and she's trying to clean up real quick before the kids get home and everything and have a moment to herself. And she's like, Jesus, just... Just hold off and just, you know, just wait on me. As soon as I get done with this, I'll talk to you. And then the kids get home and then she's helping with homework. And then the husband gets home and she has to make dinner and everything like that. And then she gets the kids baths and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And then she sits down at the end of the day and Jesus is still sitting at the table. And she says, can we just talk tomorrow? And she walks in the bedroom and turns the dining room light off with Jesus still sitting at the table. See, is that what kind of life that you're leading? That it is so full of everything that you are so busy that, that God comes way later. Man, we got to sit down and just be still for a second. Just be still. The other thing that we've got to do in order to hear God, we got to shut this thing right here. Just be quiet. J just for a minute. Try it out sometimes. It's really cool. I mean, just sit back and just be quiet. And let God speak because he's not going to speak louder than you. And if we're always running our mouth about everything, about what we think, and rah, 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 we'll never hear God. Just be still. Sit down and be quiet and listen. And you know what? He might not say anything at all. And that's fine. When I don't have anything for my son to do, he can go out and do whatever he wants to. I, don't, I mean, you know, within reason. And he wants the same for you. He gave you this life to live. He will be uh, riding right next to you or you will be riding right next to him. But he, he just he's given you desires. He's given you gifts. Are we following him? It, he wants to give us a hand. But in order for him to give us a hand, we got to be riding right there next to him. You know, we, we've talked about how uh, God wants to guide us and God wants to provide for us. Okay. To provide for us. You know, I, I'm going to read, I, I don't do this very often. I'm going to read five verses out of the Bible in Ecclesiastes. And I hope that God will really speak to y'all about some of this that I'm talking about, about sitting down and, and being quiet and listening. 
Listen to this right here. In Ecclesiastes 2, 21 through 26, a man might use wisdom. Now, let me give you a little background right quick. This was written by Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. Okay. God told Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want. Solomon said, I want wisdom. He said, because you have chosen wisely, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to make you the richest person on earth. Pretty sweet deal. This is what Solomon says. A man might use wisdom, knowledge, and skill to do his work, but then he has to leave everything he owns to someone who hasn't worked for it. That doesn't have any meaning. In fact, it isn't fair. What does a man get for all of his hard work on earth? What does he get for all of his worries? As long as he lives, his work is nothing but pain and sorrow. Even at night, his mind cannot rest. That doesn't have any meaning. Does that apply to some of us? Right there. Um, What does a man get for all of his hard work on earth? What does he get for all his worries? As long as he lives, his work is nothing but pain and sorrow. Even at night, his mind cannot rest. Well, okay, I got that. What else does he have to say about it? In verse 24, he says this, A man can't do anything better than eat and drink and be satisfied with his work. I'm finally seeing that those things also come from the hand of God. See, God wants you to be happy. Now, he doesn't say that that you can just quit your job and and kick back in your recliner and eat and drink and, and stuff like that. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying that, you know, us working ourselves to the bone so that we can provide for our families. Really? So so you can provide for your families? I thought if we followed God, I thought God said that don't I feed the birds in the air and clothe the flowers in the field? How much more do I love you and will give all of these things unto you? I thought it all came from God. But yet we want to take his spot. We want to work really, really hard so that we can provide for our families, so that we can have these material things, so that we can accomplish this stuff. And Solomon, the wisest man on earth, said, man, none of that is any better than just enjoying a meal and uh having a drink, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we go get a 12-pack of Bud Light or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But it doesn't say that you can't have a drink anyway. But it says, a man can't do anything better than to eat and drink and be satisfied with his work. I'm finally seeing that those things also come from the hand of God. Without his help, who can eat or find pleasure? Are you happy? If you're not, it's because you, can't, you haven't found him. Without his help, without him giving you a hand, You will be hungry and you will not be happy. And then he goes on in 26 and says, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness to a man who pleases him. God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness to a man who pleases him. And you know what the only thing you can do to please God is? To believe in his son and have a relationship with the father through the son. That's the only thing that you can do that will ever please God. It says in Ezekiel, it says that our good deeds are like worthless rags to the Lord. You you can't do anything except have a relationship with God in order to make him happy or to be happy. It says, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness to a man who pleases him. Get ready. But to a sinner, he gives the task of merely merely gathering and storing up wealth. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? To a sinner, he gives the task of merely gathering and storing up wealth. And then what happens? Then the sinner must hand it over to the one who pleases God. (laughs) Well, that doesn't have any meaning. It's like chasing the wind. That's what it says right there. And guys, just start being happy. I am telling you right now that many of you came in here searching for something. God is revealing what that something is. And it's a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for you. You can think, oh, that sounds so religious and everything like that. It's the only 
only way you will ever be happy. It is the only way that you will gain in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And it will be the only way to eternal life. Is that right there? God even wants to lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil, because that's the rest of the prayer of Jabez. says, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. If you want God to give you a hand, then you have to be close enough for Him to reach you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave us, but we run off from Him all the time. But through His Son, we've always got that way back. Let Him guide and give you a hand. Become mature by knowing God's goodness and showing love to others. I heard Dave say that in their Bible study that uh, the fellow said something along the lines of, uh, anytime you talk to anybody, whether you like them or you hate them, talk to them as if you were talking unto Jesus himself. Wow. Kind of tough, huh? See, God wants you to become mature in your faith. He wants you to become mature in your relationship with him. That's all. Everything else will come naturally. Quit trying to put the cart before the horse. Let him guide you and give you a hand by becoming mature and knowing God's goodness and showing love to others. You know, Micah 6, 8 in the Old Testament says this. Now, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Pretty blunt right here. And this is what he requires of you. Do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's it. Everything else will just come naturally. You'll grow in him. Let him provide for you. Only a sinner works hard so that he may gather and store up wealth. Has that been your life goal? So that you can gather and store up wealth or so you can work harder and get a better job so you can buy more stuff? That doesn't lead to happiness, people. I promise you. Solomon was the richest man in the world. Go read Ecclesiastes 2 and you'll see. Jesus is the good shepherd, the good cowboy. He gives a hand to those who are close to him. And I promise you, his hand is exactly what we need. To lead us, not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. Don't leave here today without knowing one thing, that everything that your heart seeks, everything that your life yearns for, is found in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's it. Start talking to Him. Start knowing Him. Sit down. Be quiet. Listen. Don't strive after the things of this world. Start knowing Him and you'll get the chance to know him forever. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your message today. God, we know that you want to get right up behind, beside us and give us a hand in, in our daily walk. And God, um, the way that you speak to us is just by becoming mature in you and knowing what your will is, knowing that we're supposed to love people. And, and it's not about the, the little things. It's about who we are and, and who we are through you. God, let your light shine through all of us and, and just help us to, to uh, quit putting our pride in our faith in our jobs and in our economy and in, in a little piece of paper with numbers written on it. God, that doesn't provide any protection. It doesn't provide any guidance. God, everything that comes to us, let us acknowledge that it comes from you and depend upon that and nothing more. In your name I pray. Amen. That was a great amen. <laughs>